everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And first of all, I want to announce a new arrival to Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. She's actually somebody you you might be a little bit familiar with if you've listened to some of our earlier episodes. Christina is going to be joining us. She's going to be helping with some behind the scenes stuff here at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse and also helping co-hosting some of the episodes. So Christina, say hello to our listeners. Hello, everyone. As Tina um, has introduced me, thank you so much, Tina. I am Christina. I did a um, co-host, I think it was two episodes mm-hmm. with you yep. um, previously, but I'm so excited to be a more permanent part of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Yay, welcome. Up. <laughs> so awesome. I'm so excited. They, My listeners know how much I have whined and complained <laughs> about having to do it by myself. And not that I don't enjoy doing it because I do, but I really am looking forward to having someone to enjoy doing it with because it is fun, but it's nice to share, you know, in the, in the process and, yes. <laughs> and it's nice to have help. So welcome aboard. Well, thank you so much. This is sort of an interesting episode for you to be coming on because we definitely need all hands on deck for this situation. What this is a special episode that we're doing. We're only going to be talking about one issue, and yes. that is the Vanderbilt nurse who has been arrested now for making a medication error that resulted in a patient's death. And so we are going to dedicate this episode to this nurse and the whole situation. Really, we're we're going to talk about the patient and what happened to her, and we're going to talk about the nurse who made the mistake. And we're going to talk about the legal aspect of it and just kind of hash it all out. Right. And implications for nursing practice, what this could mean. Yes, absolutely. So without further ado, I guess we can get started. So just to talk a little bit about the patient to definitely not in any way diminish um, the fact that a patient did die, this mistake resulted in a patient death. And we definitely would never want to in any way minimize that. It's very serious. And it's what we all as healthcare professionals work and strive to avoid. Of course, that's the exact opposite of why we're there. So this patient's name was Charlene Murphy. She was a 75 year old woman. She had retired in 2012 from Walmart after working there for 24 years she lived in Gallatin, Tennessee, which is a, it's in a county adjacent to Davidson County, which is where Nashville is. So it's just right outside of Nashville. She'd lived there her whole life. She uh, it said that I found some different um, accounts of, of her life. And one of them said she loved a good bargain and that she loved to go to yard sales. And then even when they buried her, they buried her with some quarters because she apparently just loved to carry around quarters, I guess, you know, going to yard sales. In 2017, she began having headaches, went to the doctor, and it was discovered that she had an intraparenchymal hemorrhage, which resulted in a hematoma, which basically that's a brain bleed. And I, and I want to try to explain as much as possible these things, not that you know, most of the people that listen to our podcast, um, most of them are medical professionals, but not all. So n- not in any way to assume that that medical professionals don't know what we're talking about, but <laughs> yeah. just in case for people, because I would love it. I would love to get this story out to non-medical professionals. 
So that is a brain bleed, and it's you know just to just sort of um, explain what's going on there. The, it's where the brain is actually bleeding, and then there's pooling of the blood that forms a hematoma, just like a pocket of blood, and then that was pressing on in the in the area it was pressing on was causing her to have vision changes and headaches. So that's why she went to the doctor. Yes, she was married to her husband Sam for over 50 years. She had a son, Gary. I'm not sure if she had other children or not, but I I saw where Gary was quoted in the media a few times. He kind of spoke out. He spoke up for his, for his mother, but he also kind of spoke up for the nurse and her family as well. Yes, he did. I think he felt like she wouldn't have wanted, his mom wouldn't have wanted her to, to be, to be punished in this way. Right. And that she would have forgiven her. Right. One of the articles that I read um, quoted him as saying that, one family has already been destroyed mm-hmm. um, from this tragedy, and it was the desire of his family um, that another family would not be destroyed, meaning the nurse um, who um, had the medication error. Yeah. And um, I was able to um, read her obituary, Charlene's obituary, which was um, is just very simple and lovely, I think, a wonderful tribute to her. And um, it, it mentioned mostly her love of her family. She hmm. she um, had two sons, Gary and then Michael is her other son. Okay. Um, seven grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. Wow. Um, and they described her grandchildren as being the light of her life. She um, had a few um, friends who commented um, on her passing that I was able to read. And they just said that she was a very sweet and a loving lady. They were sorry to hear um, of such a loss, um, a, a few of them were her coworkers at Walmart. It was a pleasure of working with, with her. Um, she seemed to be such a sweet and loving person, very caring. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's really sad. So we wanted to just take a minute to to talk about her and honor her and not forget that right. that, that this did result in a, in a patient's death. And hopefully we can learn from this. Yes, exactly. All of us. Because as nurses, we we have we take an oath um, when we graduate um, to do no harm, and it's something that we strive to do with every task. And we do have to recognize that our patients are, or I should say, their lives are in our hands. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I feel no nurse takes like lightly. Mm-hmm. We all recognize that we're human; that errors can be made. Yeah. Um, but we hope that this would never happen to anyone. Yeah, and we here on Good Nurse Bad Nurse, we've done some stories where there there are nurses who have deliberately done things to their patients, and it's shocking to us. And right. that's part of the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was to to talk about the good and the bad, to the good, bad, and the ugly, all of it. But for the vast majority of nurses and healthcare professionals, go into healthcare. Because they love people, they want to take care of people, they want to heal, not to harm. So what happened here, and, and we found Z-Dog, Dr. Zubin uh, Demania. Yes. He, he does the funny videos, and mm-hmm. I love him. I love all of his videos. I, I follow him and really enjoy his opinions. He stands up for nurses yes, a lot, and I really appreciate <laughs> his support of nurses. He did a really good video, a couple of, he's actually done a couple of them on this, this story. And he posted the CMS report on his website and I was able to look at that. And so in the CMS report, it, it's pretty fascinating because it really lays out all the details 
Right. Exactly what happened. Yes. So the Department of Health and, and Human Services, Medicaid and, Mer- Medicaid and Medicare. Yes. They investigated this. They apparently got a some sort of a, I don't know if they got a tip or somehow they were alerted. Yes. I think my understanding was that the medical examiner's office raised concern to them mm-hmm. um, regarding the case. And that is when they decided to open an investigation. Okay. And that was in October is when this incident report, oh, this incident was reported and they, they just showed up at the hospital to do a review and they were looking through the records. So they found that the initial record just to, when they were looking through to sort of see what happened, it showed that the patient when she before she went down for this scan was awake, alert, oriented. She, it even specifically says that she spent time shopping prior to hospitalization just to show that even though she had been diagnosed with this uh, brain bleed or hematoma, you know, that she was still awake, alert. It was not like she was unconscious. Right. So she was admitted to the hospital on December 24th, so Christmas Eve. And then she was taken down to radiology for a PET scan, which is a full body scan. Yes. On December 26th, the day after Christmas. It was scheduled for two o'clock in the afternoon. And this is all straight from that report that where they went through and they saw the records. They can, they can tell exactly what's, what's going on. And while in radiology, she requested something to help for anxiety because she was claustrophobic. And, you know, you go in that tunnel type thing. And yes. It's very close proximity. Right. And that's a long scan. Mm-hmm. It's a full body scan. So it takes, well, minimal, it usually takes 45 minutes mm-hmm. and it, it, it is a very close space. Mm-hmm. So for her, she, she felt like I need something to help me relax or because like, I'm going to feel like, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Right. So they, the, the physician ordered two milligrams of Versed. IV, which yes. is a, for people that, again, non-medical people, it's sort of like a Xanax for IV. Yes. It helps to relax. It helps with anxiety. It's not meant to completely knock you out, but it can reduce your respiratory drive. It can lower your blood pressure. It can, there can be some side effects. So yes. definitely still need to be, you know, monitoring the patient when you administer the medication. Right. And what I read from the report um, my understanding when I read it, I should say, was that the patient requested the medication right before the start of the scan. So she was already, trans- she had been transported down to radiology already, and it was kind of at the at that moment maybe mm-hmm. that she kind of realized, oh, you know, yeah. I'm going to need something. I'm not uh, going to be able to do this. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so it was a it was a stat order that was placed, meaning that it needed it it just had been placed. It needed to be completed very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, in fact, radiology had called the patient's, um, nurse and the unit that the patient was, was on, um, to ask if someone could come down to administer the medication. So she had already left the unit and was waiting in radiology for the scan. And they said that if they could not, if someone could not come and administer the medication, they would have to send her back, um, and reschedule her scan. Right. And of course... The nurse is not going to want to do that. The nurse wants the patient to get her scanned so that she can get start getting her treatment as soon as possible. So her nurse, the nurse that was assigned to her in the neurocritical care unit, sent another nurse who was, quote, a help, help all, help all nurse. Yes. 
I'm not familiar with that personally, but I can kind of see what it sort of is. It's yes. just sort of a flo- a nurse that's sort of floating around doing different things to help. And, you know, like, hey, can you go put in this Foley catheter? Could you go start an IV? Could, oh, I have a patient that's down getting a PET scan in radiology. Can you run down there and give some Versed? Right. The doctor's ordered it. Please go administer it so that she can get her PET scan and she, she doesn't have to put that off. Right. And that's what happened. So this RN, this help all nurse yes went down to radiology she said she hadn't even been down there before no and that that's interesting to know i think because the the patient's nurse who could not go and administer the medication at the time the one who asked for the help all nurse to go um she was in neurocritical care a neurocritical care nurse and um she asked if a nurse in radiology could administer the medication and the nurses in radiology said that they were not comfortable administering the medication, and that's why um, the uh, patient's nurse asked this help-all nurse to um, assist her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's interesting to note because we can kind of see, at least from a nursing perspective, the time constraints here. Mm-hmm. The patient is actually waiting in radiology. The radiologists are waiting to perform the scan. The nurses are waiting for the medication to be administered. It's mm-hmm. There um, definitely was a time element here. For sure. And I, and I know that I'm sure that that help all nurse was feeling that as well. And so that, that medication was pulled in the neurocritical care unit. So she went, before she ever went downstairs, she went while on that unit, went to her, what the, this report called the automatic dispensing cabinet. That's not what I, I've ever heard it being called that, but that's what this report refers to it as the ADC or the automatic dispensing cabinet. I think I call it the Apixis or an right. Omni or yes. that sort of thing. And so she went to this automatic dispensing cabinet and tried to find the, the Versed and it wasn't able to find it. So she did an override. Right. Which in most hospitals, when there's an emergent situation, the nurse has the, the ability to go into and usually it's for IV medications. Yes. And I think it's because the hospital recognizes and pharmacy recognizes that if it's an oral medication, it's probably not an emergency. Right. And so they don't really allow you to override oral medications, but some IV medications they do. Yes. And so she overrode the the safeguard system and look just found the medication by typing in VE and rather than it popping up Versed, which is actually a trade name or a brand name. Right. It's kind of like Kleenex versus a tissue. Yes. And it it's sort of like she typed in Kleenex and it instead brought up the generic name of a completely different product that wasn't a tissue. It's like it's like she typed in Kleenex and it brought up toilet paper, you know, exactly something totally right. different. It brought up Vecaronium, which is a paralytic agent that's used in surgeries to keep a patient completely immobile. Like it, it totally shuts down their neuromuscular system. Yes. Including the muscles that their intercostal muscles and their diaphragm muscle that helps them to breathe. So, you know, that's unfortunate just to think about what happened right. with this patient. And my understanding too from reading the report was that when the nurse went to pull the medication for this patient, it was not on the patient's active profile. Mm-hmm. So we we understand that 
this was a stat order. It had just been placed. It probably the system was probably not able to update as quickly as the nurse was able to search for the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that we realize, especially as nurses, when you're in an emergent situation, you can't wait for the system to upload. And when I read the report, it it did say that pharmacy had verified the order, though. So the pharmacists were very quick to to verify the order. It said that the order was entered at 2.47 p.m., and it was approved by pharmacy at Mm 2.49. But it just hadn't had time yet in the actual main system to update and for her to be able to find it. Yeah, so she overrode it. She typed in VE. It pulled up Vecaronium. I know that nurses a lot of times are dealing with this whole brand name versus generic name thing. And so my in my my mind, I'm wondering if she typed in VE and when it brought up Vecaronium, she thought that was the generic name for the drug. Yes. And just clicked on that and pulled it out. She took it down to radiology. She had to reconstitute it. And that's one of the, you know, there, there was a, a report that we found that listed 19 things that that were all sort of these different things that if one of those things could have been changed, it could have possibly stopped this from happening. And one of those things is if she had just thought like how many times, I wonder how many times she had administered Versed because right. you don't reconstitute Versed. No, no, you do not. And that, that is another factor, of course, in, in, is that her role as a help all nurse. Mm-hmm. So she must have been familiar with um, critical care because she was able to help uh, this nurse who was working in the neurocritical care unit. Yeah, surely they wouldn't have given her that responsibility to be there as a help all nurse if she wasn't familiar with critical right. care. But I mean, maybe they maybe they would have. I don't uh, know. But it is true when you are in a higher level role, you know, such as a clinical nurse educator, perhaps, um, you don't work bedside Mm -hmm. as often. Um, so you may not be familiar with, or I shouldn't say you're not familiar, but though that would not have caught your attention perhaps, because Mm -hmm. if you haven't administered a certain drug in even in a few shifts, um, I, sometimes that happens to me when I'm at work and I have to review not only the medication, okay, this is the correct medication, this is what it's for, but also maybe administration time, how long do I give it over, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, what um, what reconstituting agent to use, normal saline versus sterile water, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but if you're in a hurry, I can see where you may not think, you, that may not come up as a red flag to yeah. you. But I was talking um, with one of my friends who actually works in a different state. She's also a nurse. She um, is a trauma nurse. And in her hospital, Vecaronium has a red safety tape over the vial mm-hmm. and and over the box that it comes in. So I've, I've personally never seen it, but it uh, apparently it comes in a vial and then it comes in a box. And both of those at her hospital are taped over mm. with a red label warning whereas Versed is not. That's in her hospital. I'm not sure what the case is here in in Vanderbilt's system. But I thought that was interesting because that for sure would have triggered a red flag. You would think it would have. And if she's not, if, if for some reason she had not administered Versed before, maybe she just looked at that like, oh, it's, it's a, a medication used for 
conscious sedation. So maybe, maybe she just, because she's, her account was that she went in, she overwrote, when she didn't find it on there, she overrode the medication. She had an orientee with her. So she had another nurse with her who was orienting that she's basically teaching. Right. And so she's talking to this, this nurse, this new nurse and trying to explain. And that can be very distracting. Obviously it's a, it's, it's necessary. You obviously have to have an orientation period as a new, new nurse. So it's absolutely necessary. And, but, but yet dangerous at the same time because she's trying to talk to this orientee as she's pulling out the medication she pulls it out she said she turned it around and looked at the back of it to read the the reconstituting instructions when she saw that it was a powder and she knew oh it's a powder i'm gonna have to inject something what's the you know how much like you said sterile water normal saline what do i need to inject into this to reconstitute it it never occurred to her that it was not the right medication. It just never entered her mind for a second no. that she picked the wrong one. Right. So when she got down, she she took she took that medicine and she went down to radiology. When she got down there, she said that she found the patient. She the patient was in a room. Yes. The patient was not in the PET scanner. And when I had uh, seen other accounts of this story before looking and reading thoroughly through the CMS report, I had the impression that they gave her the, the Vecaronium and then put her into the scanner. That's not what happened. They actually injected her with the contrast dye that would then uh, start flowing through her body. And that takes an hour for it to actually completely get get all the way into her body before they can even do the scan. So when they injected that, then they put her into a special room. So kind of like I'm envisioning sort of like a patient room, but there's a window or camera or something they can see. But the radiologist or the the radio uh, radiological tech uh, said that they can't see your chest moving up and down and tell that you're breathing, but they can just see the patient. So when she got down to the patient's room, she said she went in. She verified the name. So she did part of the five rights. And my question is this, you know, just to to explain again to people what the five rights are, it's you, when you are doing any kind of a intervention as a nurse with a patient or any kind of medical professional is doing any kind of anything with a patient, you should verify five things. And especially if you're administering medication, you're verifying that it's the right person. That it's the right time, that that's the right dose, that it's the right medication, that it's the right route. So if you verify all five of those things, then the chances of you ma- making a mistake are pretty slim. But if you have a situation where you're not on your floor, you don't have a computer, they appear, from what I understand, there was not a system in that room that where she would have access to log into a computer and have a scanner. There was no scanner. There was no barcode scanner on this medication from the from what the report said. So she did not have the ability to log into a computer, look up the patient, and verify the order. There was no order for her to verify. So could she even c- complete that step of the five rights the way that this hospital's system is set up? Could she complete, could she verify really anything other than that per- what that person says their name is matches their armband. Yeah. 
or matches what someone told her upstairs that that her name was. That's really the only thing. And then if she, for some reason, thought that Vecaronium was the generic name, then there's really no verifying that even the right medication because she would look at it and think, oh, that and I'm not saying that I'm not, I don't want to put words in her mouth because she hasn't said that. But I just I could see that happening. Then there is a there is a way in which this whole thing plays out. And it, it is just a completely unfortunate tragedy. And the system really failed the patient and the nurse both. Yes. Yes, it did. I I would venture to add to that they in the report, they mentioned that the nurse did not monitor the patient for mm. the effects of the medication. I feel like that's actually there there is no there is no record of the time that she spent after mm-hmm. she administered the medication, meaning no one took note of how long she was in the room with the patient, watching the patient, monitoring yeah. the patient. So we do we do not know if she adequately monitored the patient or not mm-hmm. based on the drug that she thought that she administered. Yeah. yeah. However, I would venture to say that it might be very difficult to monitor a patient for those effects after you administer a drug, if it was the correct drug versed, um, the patient may not feel anything. The patient was not mm-hmm. on a monitor. There was no, you know, they weren't monitoring her heart rate or her oxygen levels, which is actually not uncommon because she, as you mentioned, was talking, walking. I mean, she, she was, she had certain symptoms that were definitely bothering her that were concerning, but she was still able to function very well. So there would have been, um, I mean, using my nursing judgment, I would have not, as well, I would not have felt the need to put her on a monitor to monitor her heart rate or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think that if I, I can see why it's, I, and I would be curious to know what the standard practices yes. for hospitals, not just that hospital, for hospitals around the country, for when you administer a medication like that, is it, what is the best practice? Well, the nursing um, the Lippincott handbook says that the best practice for that, what you are supposed to do as a nurse after administering that particular medication is to monitor the patient for the respiratory distress, for blood pressure issues, for that sort of thing. Um, she very well could have, I think, and I'm not, I'm not familiar with Vecaronium. No, I don't work right. in surgery. I don't work um, in a place where I would be administering that. But after this happened, I've looked it up and re- have read enough about it. So I certainly understand it now. And I think that had she administered what she thought was Versed or Midazolam, which is which is the generic uh, name. And I think that healthcare professionals all over need to to take a step back and stop and think about what they're doing when they're calling these medications by their yes. trade name. It's a practice that is, it's easy right. to do because right. it's just easier to say or said than right. midazolam. Or patients recognize that name. When I talk yes. about and so, lorazepam, they have no idea, but if I say Ativan, they might be more familiar with mm-hmm. it. Right. Alprazolam versus Even Xanax. acetaminophen versus Tylenol. Ibuprofen versus Motrin or or Advil, um, it's people usually recognize the brand names, but it's dangerous because you've got multiple brand names a lot of times and one generic, and it's just safer practice for everybody to use the generic name. And 
maybe that's something that could come out of this, right. you know, as to for people to revisit how important it is. It's something that's been set in place for a long time now that the best practice yes. is to use the generic. But to kind of get back to what I was saying, when she administered what she thought was Versed, if she had just stood, stood there probably 10 minutes, right? she would have seen, she would have seen some activity, she would have, or lack of activity and a change in the patient that she would have realized something is not right. This is not right. the way she's supposed to be acting. Yes. With just it, would, it would have become very apparent because it is a neurovirconium mm-hmm. is a neuromuscular mm-hmm. blocking agent. So the patient was unable to move, um, speak, yeah, talk, nothing. I mean, it might have impaired her breathing. I mean, no one is able to clearly say mm-hmm. because Again, there there apparently was a video footage, but it is impossible to tell from the the report says that it's impossible to tell from the footage whether whether the patient was breathing or not. So it is uncertain how mm-hmm. long the patient was lying there um, before it was discovered that she had arrested. So you know that the the whole incident happened over I think a period of maybe thirty minutes. That, that they that said she was in that room after the nurse administered the the becaronium and so when a, apparently a transporter I don't know if they the transporter was going in to move her or just walking by but somehow a transporter noticed right. something is way off with this woman and went in announced that there was a problem and they called a rapid response and eventually called a code and uh, began chest compressions. And they brought, actually were able to retrieve a return of spontaneous circulation after two or three rounds of chest compressions. Right. Which is fairly quickly, Mm -hmm. but she was, unfortunately, she just wasn't able to ever, they sent her to ICU and she, a couple of days later, they had to withdraw support to go off the ventilator and within just a few minutes after taking her off the ventilator she passed so it's sad sad story and the thing is when this all was announced in at the i guess the end of november beginning of december this was shocking at the time and they weren't announcing the name of the patient they weren't announcing the nurse and i don't think anyone thought the nurse was going to be charged no i think that's probably the most shocking i think they're you, I think you'll have more people who are going to argue back and forth or have differ with their opinions about whether or not she deserved to lose her job or deserved to even have her license revoked. But, and and I I think that there's you, you could take either side there, right? But I think that for me personally, what I would say is that. Her actions are probably consistent with the that's with the vast majority of a lot of nurses yes. in yes. this entire country around hospitals all over because it's not that it's acceptable. It's not. It's not. Right. No. But a lot of times nurses are put under these time constraints and staffing shortages and putting these pressure situations right. where you're expected to do more with less. And, yes. and she apparently was going down, she was sent down to do this. And then she was also being sent to the ER to perform a swallow study on a patient. So it's kind of like, hey, go on down and uh, 
administer this first set and then go on down to the emergency room and, right. and do the swallow study. So she's like doing one thing after another and trying to be the help all nurse. Yes. So, and the hospital for, and unfortunately did not have the equipment that she needed for her to be able to correctly mm-hmm. administer this medication per their mm-hmm. own policy. Yeah. So this patient was already in a room that there was no computer. There was no right. electronic way for her to scan the medication as we've already discussed. She couldn't even document that she had given it. No, no. It's, and she couldn't document anything that she did. No, she could not. And and even the override function, there was there was no independent double check, meaning that there was no need for another nurse to mm-hmm. verify the medication that she was overriding in the system. Yeah. Um, which is also um, not uncommon. I think it differs by hospital and, and by system, really, whether that's required when you override a medication. I, I, I'm not sure what the standard is, um, but I think it is different per system. Mm-hmm. Well, and then that's basically what happened. That that was the incident. And then after that, this, in, you know, to my complete shock, uh, what, about a week ago or, or so, yes. she is arrested right. for reckless homicide right. and or abuse of an abuse impaired adult. Abuse of an impaired adult. Which is shocking. I'm just, it I is. can't <laughs> believe, I really can't believe it. I don't know what to think about it. I don't know how a nurse, because I, I like to watch Z-Dog and he, he kind of has some, in, maybe some insider people kind of uh, telling him some things. And I think one thing is that the, the, people that work with her have said that she is an upstanding nurse and she is, this is not something that's common for her. Right. This is way out of her normal practice as a nurse. She's, this is just not her. She made a mistake. What in the world? How can we even go to work as a nurse and work at the bedside and take care of our patients and, have situations where we, right. we walk into a patient's room and they aren't breathing, aren't uh, their heartbeat stopped, and we're expected to grab the code cart and right. start administering medications without right. scanning it in and verifying the five rights and all of this stuff. I mean, because no. it's an emergency. Right. And how are we expected to do yes. that when what if you make a mistake are you going to have to go to jail? It's bad enough. We already, right. we're all very well aware that we could lose our license. That we know. We talk about that all the time. I don't want to lose my yes. license. You know, I don't want to take an unsafe patient load. I don't want to take that many patients because I don't want to lose my license. I don't want to risk someone's life right. and I don't want to lose my license. But now we're talking about going right. to prison and having a, and, and being a, a convicted felon. It's even if she isn't convicted to be put through the torture. She's lost her job now. She had gotten another job. They, I found yes. reading through that report, they they let her go shortly after this happened. Right. They, I, I believe, they terminated her. The patient, I believe, died December twenty seventh, and they terminated her position January third, from what I remember. It was very, very quick. Mm-hmm. And and what to me was so heartbreaking, especially about the situation, is this. Uh, from the report is a very, uh, I mean, as you've said, friends and family have stepped forward, have reported this is someone of upstanding character. She is heartbroken over the situation herself. And in the report that CMS released, 
um, the nurse practitioner and doctors that took care of this patient reported that she immediately owned her mistake. She said, this is the medication that I gave. I gave the patient Vecuronium. I thought it was for said. She immediately stopped all of her activities for that day, went straight to her nurse manager, filled out an incident report. I mean, this nurse, it's not like she tried to deny it. Um, she owned this mistake. This, even though it was such a tragedy, um, she wanted to prevent this from ever happening again. And and um, in nursing school, we're encouraged to do the same thing. If we make a mistake, to speak up and say, I did this. I'm sorry, but we need to fix it. And it's terrifying for me to think how many nurses now are going to be afraid to admit that they made a mistake and how many how many very simple errors that could immediately be corrected will maybe not be found out or maybe not corrected until it's too late. Um, our system is unfortunately a human one. Um, so it has its beauty in the humanity of it because we as individuals care for our patients, but we also are <laughs> humans and we do make mistakes. That's true. It's very true. And if if we allow this to happen and we aren't we don't have our voices heard about this and we don't support this nurse her name is Redonda Vaught she is yes in Nashville Tennessee next Wednesday February the 20th at nine o'clock in the morning central time she's going to have a hearing and I think if anybody is anywhere within that vicinity and able to go to the courthouse and just peacefully respectfully show support for her and yes and if you want to I don't don't want to be inciting any sort of you know anything but just show (laughs) your support for her he's wonderful nurses support (laughs) nurses you know um nurse Blake which I love I'm such a fan he likes to talk about nurses supporting their young instead of nurses eating their young which is horrible absolutely we want nurses want to support nurses we need to support each other. So we want to support Redonda and we want to show that this is unacceptable to be bringing criminal charges against a nurse for making a mistake. Let the system right. play out the way it's supposed to in as far as what happens to her license. Yes. Professionally, that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother issue. Those, those things do happen all the time. Criminal charges Absolutely not. Right. And even the family of um, Charlene Murphy, uh, they're quoted as saying, if pressing charges would bring her back, we would absolutely do it. But pressing charges won't bring her back. Yeah. So I feel even the family, um, they, they of course, they want closure and they want peace. Mm-hmm. And I think a year later, arresting the nurse for, um, or charging the nurse and arresting her, for these charges is is disrespectful to the family's decision yeah. to not press charges themselves. Um, they also are quoted as saying that um, th- their family has already been destroyed by this tragedy and they would not want another family to be destroyed, and meaning the nurse's family. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess that does it. It kind of wraps it up for this special episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. We did this just so that we could put this out there and show our support for Miss Vaught and show, obviously, our support for the family of the patient 
Miss Charlene and just bring shed some light right. on this horrible situation as best we can. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you found it um, informative. We did our best to remain true to the report that we read, the CMS report, also the family. Um, and it this is a very serious case because it has the potential to really impact our care and our ability to um, help our patients and also the profession. I feel like this is a very grave case, um, especially as student nurses are coming into the field, graduating, and, and even people who are considering nursing as career Surely this is something that they're going to take into account now. I know. this The hospital that we would have hoped would have um, supported this nurse, um, they may have you know, been required to terminate her position, but uh, I feel like their, their system failed the nurse just as much as they seem to think she did. Yeah. Um, so I think it's... Medicaid and Medicare required Vanderbilt to change their practice, Mm -hmm. but that report is not available to the public. So we don't even know what new systems are in place to prevent this tragedy from ever happening again. Yeah. And maybe that will all come out with this trial. Uh, If anything good can come out of this, maybe changing some processes, maybe some federal regulations uh, to to protect patients from this in the future by forcing hospitals to put this put more safeguards in place that nurses can't override that medication should have never been available in that situation there the hospitals need to be held accountable for this as well yes and that in that situation that there's no reason why that nurse should have been allowed even access to that medication that was just not necessary in that particular situation. So um, hopefully some change, some good change will come because of this and it will help shed some light on it. And, and we can bring about uh, maybe some changes in laws to protect nurses and to protect patients both. Yes. So um, you guys have a good week. We will have another episode for you uh, coming up soon, but we wanted to just get this out there and remember nurses to support other nurses. Yes, nurses support nurses.